0: We're getting all dolled up. Chucky can splinter himself into other dolls. And heading out for a date. show what, are you go to prom with me? <laughs> yes. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Tuesday, November 30th. We are counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. It's not even December yet, but Channing Tatum is gifting fans with news that a third Magic Mike movie is on the way. The actor made the big reveal on Instagram where he shared the title page of the script with the caption, quote, Well World, looks like Mike Lane's tapping back in. He also tagged HBO Max, which is where the movie will exclusively debut. The script page reveals the movie's title, Magic Mike's Last Dance, and that it will be directed by Steven Soderbergh, who returns to the franchise after sitting out the sequel, and written, like the first two movies, by Reed Carolyn. Magic Mike's Last Dance does not yet have a release date, nor have Tatum's former co-stars committed to reprising their roles. It looks like Tom Holland isn't packing up his Spidey suit anytime soon. While the actor himself placed a healthy amount of skepticism on whether Spider Man No Way Home would be his last film as Marvel's wall crawler, Sony producer Amy Pascal says not only will Holland be back as the superhero from Queens, but another movie trilogy is in the works. In an interview with Fandango, Pascal said, This is not the last movie that we're going to make with Marvel. We are getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Marvel. We're thinking of this as three films, and now we're going to go on to the next three. This is not the last of our MCU movies. Representatives for Disney and Marvel didn't immediately respond to EW's request for comment. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Alright folks, we have got a killer number three pick for you today, the season finale of Chucky. Old and new scores will be settled in this week's episode as Chucky's diabolical plan comes to fruition with an army of good guy dolls now at his disposal. But his old nemesis Andy Barclay has returned to Hackensack in an attempt to put a stop to things. Though when he arrives at the Wheeler house, he's confronted by a very creepy junior, who you'll recall is now under Chucky's influence and may find himself in a tight spot. Meanwhile, Jake and Lexi try to piece together the meaning behind Chucky's motives, but they get an unexpected visit from an old friend. Here's a clip from the finale. He doesn't exactly need help killing people. No, he doesn't. So why bother? What's he getting out of it? Seriously, why has Chucky been trying to get one of us to kill somebody? What would that accomplish? I mean, it's part of some voodoo spell? Maybe it has something to do with that doll you got at the bus station. I left it in the kitchen. Man, they really know how to twist the knife on this show. Pun very much intended. Well, whatever happens on the finale, though, it is not the end for Chucky, which was just renewed for a second season yesterday. So tune in to see where we leave everyone, and who won't be making it to season two, starting tonight at 10 on USA and Sci-Fi. Trivia. It's trivia time. Brad Dourif, the longtime voice of Chucky, has also appeared in two Entries of what long running slasher franchise? Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, or Friday the 13th? Stick around for the answer. Number two. Now let's warp over to our number two pick NBC's La Brea. After nine episodes of sinkholes, prehistoric animals, and a whole lot of questions, the season finale of La Brea is here with. Well, mostly more sinkholes, prehistoric animals, and questions. The penultimate episode saw Eve racing to Topanga to send Isaiah, aka young Gavin, through a portal to 1988 to save her kids. Meanwhile, back in the present, or forward in the present, Gavin had tracked down future Lily, aka Ella, and discovered that a portal was about to open in Seattle. And elsewhere, Scott had just found a cow because sure why not so will gavin head through said portal to 10,000 bc will izzy go with him will isaiah make it to his portal in time and you think that cow will provide any milk well like we said there are a lot of questions going into this finale and we have a funny feeling the episode is only going to leave us with more here is a clip from the finale
1: josh you got him
0: Yeah, we're good. Hey, you're up, Eve. Hey. You got it, just one at a time. Looking good. Easy. Just a few more rungs. You got it, Eve. Come on, Mom, you can do this. Take my hand, Take my hand. Hold on! Grab my hand! Hold on! on. Reach out, kid mom! Reach out and grab my hand! We've got some intense situations going on in today's picks. This first season of La Brea has been quite the ride, especially with all those timelines to juggle. Here's creator and co-showrunner David Applebaum on how the show's creative team strove to link all the different storylines together. That was one of the important parts of the show, that it's, about, you know, that it's about this family. And even though they're in different worlds, the big drive of, uh, especially the first season, is trying to... See if they can be reunited. And I think that's one of the things that makes the show unique, is having it take place in different time periods. Uh, But always, one of the important things is always finding a way to make those stories feel connected, even if if sometimes they're connected on a plot level, like, you know, when Gavin sends a drone down into the sinkhole to send a message to them. Mm -hmm. Or other times they're just connected on an emotional level. You know, when Eve is reflecting on the history of his relationship with Gavin, but it's always important that we find connections between the two of them. And you can connect with La Brea's season finale tonight at 9 on NBC. Stay tuned. Our number one pick is coming up. What to watch? We'll be right back. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Today we are welcoming Ashley Boucher to the podcast. She recently has joined the EW staff as our new digital TV editor. And we always like to ask new EW staffers what they've been watching lately. And Ashley has a particularly sweet recommendation for your next binge. Hey Ashley, how are you?
1: Hey Jared, I'm well, how are you?
0: Really well and excited to talk to you about this uh, because um, I think lots of folks know that food is one of my favorite things. It's in my Twitter bio that I love all things dark chocolate and this seems right up my alley, the show you're about to recommend. So Ashley, please tell us what you are watching.
1: I have been watching Netflix's new School of Chocolate, competition show. And yes, if you are a big fan of chocolate, I think you'll be a big fan of the show. (laughs) Basically, it is about a group of professional pastry chefs who are learning from the master chocolatier Omri Guichon, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing mm. his name a little bit, <laughs> but it's really cool. There's a group, I think it's six or eight people, and each episode takes you through kind of a mini challenge and then a showpiece challenge. And basically, they're creating these massive sculptures 100% out of chocolate. And it's like you would never <sighs> believe that it was edible or like a dessert at all.
0: Yeah, It's so wild to me, the things that can be made out of food, and especially when it comes to like chocolate and sugar, which, of course, are so sensitive to the elements. You know, if if it's too cold, if it's too hot, Um, it's just I'm so impressed by it. There are so many shows in like food competition series. What to you really stands out about this one?
1: Yeah. So what I love about this one is it's kind of a combination of some of my favorite other Netflix cooking shows like Final Table is a competition show that has like these super impressive chefs working together. And then obviously Nailed It is kind of the opposite of that, where it's these (laughs) very amateur chefs not quite nailing it. And this Mm -hmm. I feel is kind of a combo, like they're professionals, but they're not Michelin star chefs, you know, they're not super famous. Mm -hmm. And literally at one point, someone says, oh, you nailed it. And that made me chuckle because (laughs) they actually did. It wasn't like a joke. And so I love how it's kind of taking elements from other popular shows and combining Mm -hmm. them into one. And then also, it really is like they're in class, they're really learning new techniques, and they're kind of taking you through their little lessons. And so it's really fun to kind of watch them do that and to learn more about the process.
0: Yeah. See, that's the thing is because I many times have said to myself, I am going to go to culinary school, but more specifically pastry school, because I love desserts and this feels like it's like right up my alley. You're talking about those things that I feel like are actually what stopped me from doing it because there's so much science involved in baking and in pastry. But I feel like you're saying this might actually make me feel a little better about it because you see how it's all done.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. And it's like... I feel like we're so used to seeing, like, Gordon Ramsay, like, screaming at the <laughs> chefs and, like, yeah. it being, like, this really high-pressure situation. But Amory is really, like, even-keeled. When he sees someone making a mistake, he'll go up to them and say, oh, why don't you do it like this? And he never uh-huh. gets mad. He's always telling you, this is a great learning experience. Like, don't stop using your imagination because I still want you to do that in the next challenge. And all the contestants are, like, super supportive of each other, even though they are competing. So totally, it's always been a pipe dream of mine as well to go to, like, culinary school. And it's definitely, like, watching this, it's like, hey, I could do that. Or, like, at least (laughs) attempt someday maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. All right, so then I'm going to ask you for your elevator pitch. Someone says, hey, like, what have you watched lately? What's good? Give me your, like, oh, this, this is the show, and this is why you've got to watch it.
1: Okay, well, I would say, you know, we're in the holiday season now, officially, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there are a lot of maybe cheesier holiday cooking shows out there. This one still <laughs> gives you what you want out of, like, a dessert-focused show, but without mm-hmm. kind of... The cheesiness, just a little bit of sweetness instead. And it's going to combine like all the elements of your favorite food competition shows.
0: Well, you have me certainly convinced. I'm going to watch this. We are going to talk about it more on Slack. And then I say we find a a pastry class to take on the weekends.
1: Can't wait. Yeah, that sounds great to me.
0: (laughs) Well, folks, if you want to check out School of Chocolate, all episodes are available to stream on Netflix. Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you. And now it's time to bring it back home with our number one pick the bachelorette this week's episode offers a new twist on hometowns as michelle's final four men bring their families to her in minneapolis their dates will be designed to show off some of the guy's own hometown stories with skateboarding apple picking a romantic prom and more But with just these four suitors remaining, Michelle is facing a difficult choice with tonight's breakup. And after seeing some red flags, she begins to wonder if all of her men are ready for love. Hopefully, a special visit from two of her best friends, Bree Springs and Serena Pitt, will help our bachelorette navigate the big question, did meeting her men's families change everything? Here's a clip from the episode.
1: It's Brie and Serena. They mean so much to me, and it's really nice having two of my best friends here who can be a sounding board for me. The four guys who I have left are just the best guys I've met in my entire life. So do you feel like all four guys are also ready for an
0: engagement then?
1: Mm. Coming into this, my biggest fear was that like, someone wasn't willing to give as much as I am. Do you feel like you got
0: that clarity from the
1: hometowns that
0: you needed to move forward?
1: I hope I have that clarity. Um, going into but it is getting difficult.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, finding love via reality show is not an easy process. You can see how it all plays out and who goes home tonight on The Bachelorette, starting at 8 p.m. on ABC. Trivia! And lastly today, the answer to our trivia question. Brad Dourif, the longtime voice of Chucky, has also appeared in two entries of what long-running slasher franchise? Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, or Friday the 13th? Well, we're about uh, a month late with this question. The answer is Halloween. Duraff appeared in Rob Zombie's 2007 remake and its 2009 sequel as Sheriff Lee Brackett, originally played by Charles Cyphers in 1978's Halloween and 1981's Halloween Two. Cyphers, by the way, also reprised the role in this year's reboot sequel, Halloween Kills. So many Halloweens. Today's episode of What to Watch was written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Crockmall.